everyone welcome back to hope for today i'm glad you're joining me today so last week i had a little chit chat with my friend ruth and we were talking about investing in a life investing in the younger generation for the future church so if you want to go back two podcasts ago we talked about who is the future of the church and i was talking about soaring at 60. if you missed that please go and check it out most of my viewers i would say are 50 and above and it's the perfect fit for you last week we were talking about investing in the younger generation and we did have some technical difficulties so there was part of that podcast that was lost and i apologize for that but i wanted to follow up with what we were talking about and one of the things that ruthie and i talked about was so many times we expect someone to know what to do you know i remember as a kid and I was very self-aware of a lot of things when I was a child. I don't know, I must have just had that kind of a brain. But it would bother me when I would not do something, and like, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, and I would get scolded at, whether it was by my parents or another adult, what are you doing? Don't you know what to do? And I'd be sitting there as a kid going, no, I don't know what to do. Or I thought I knew what to do, but I was coming at it from the wisdom and the and the intelligence of a five-year-old, of an eight-year-old. And I think we as adults, a lot of times expect so much more of young people and they don't have the wisdom and the knowledge, the uh, education and everything else that we have. That's why we're supposed to be older and wiser. And I was just talking to someone who would not be a millennial, a little older than that, but you know, close enough where she would understand their way of thinking. And we, I love chatting with her. Her and I just, it's the perfect example of the older teaching the younger, but it's a great example to me of how the younger gives wisdom to the older because I learn so much from her. I love her passion and I love her zeal for life. And one of the things that we talked about, and this is really what I want to kind of hit home with today. I was 14. I was saved when I was very little. Little, like five or six years old. I was a little girl. Did I understand salvation? Not, you know, I understood it at five years old. It was not the understanding of a 40, 50, 60, 80 year old. No, I wasn't that age. I was five. But the, the Lord says, let the children come unto me and have childlike faith. And that's what I had. And from that day on, if the Lord needed to, you know, take my life, I would have been in glory with him. So you go up, you grow up as a child, whatever. I was 14. I went on a youth retreat. There's no way in the world I wanted to go. My parents told me I was going. That was the end of it. I went on this retreat, didn't want anything to do with it. Long story short, the youth director that we had I couldn't tell you what he was speaking on. I have no idea. But I do know this. I sat in the back of the room, fidgeting, looking around, bored out of my mind, looking at the clothes everybody was wearing. And, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. Otherwise, I probably would have been on my cell phone. But whatever he said that day, I remember him gripping my heart. And I sat up in my chair. And I was like, I need to make a change. I can remember that. I was 14 years old. And I remember the Lord gripping my heart saying, you're going to be working with me full time. Now, I didn't even know what that meant, full time. Do 
do you mean like as a career? I had no idea. I just remember him telling me, you're going to be serving me on a regular basis, if we put it that way. Again, at 14, what do I know? I had no idea, but I know what he said to me. So the next few years go on in life. And, you know, I remembered from 14 to 19, having such a passion for the gospel. My dad was like that. My dad preached the gospel to everyone. And I remembered, you know, sharing the gospel at work and, and sharing the gospel with people very openly and very bluntly and not even having a qualm or, a, you know, a quiver about it and saying, oh, you know, I'm a little nervous. I just, just spoke it. It just came out of me. Then I hit 19 and started my career. Started going to business college, you know, started dabbling in... Um, Places that my career led me to, and it was a very um, luxurious career, let's say, and I was hobnobbing with some big wigs, and I was going in limousines to places and going to the Met for different occasions and and going to New York City for all kinds of events and traveling, and it, it was a wonderful career, and it's a great career for anyone, as long as you keep the Lord first. He was sort of there, you know, but... Um, I was young. I wanted to sow my wild oats, as they say, and you know, I did nothing like horrific, 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 but I took my eyes off the Lord. That's terrible right there. Had a few years of, you know, stretching my wings, let's say. And I was 21, and I probably had about a good solid two years of not doing what I should do, And uh, but I was 21 and read a book. And it was called 18 and No Time to Waste. Now, I was 21, but I read it, and that was the name of the book. I share that book with every youth event that I share the gospel with. I talk about this book. This book I must have read a dozen, if not more, times. It changed my life in a matter of 10 minutes. And at 21, I rededicated my life to the Lord and never look back. I had an experience at 14. I didn't have the full knowledge and wisdom and experience at 14 to completely get me through. I got saved at five. I didn't have the knowledge and experience and wisdom to get me completely through. What did I know at 21? Well, I knew 21 years worth of wisdom and knowledge a lot more than I did when I was younger. I was now an adult, I was accountable, and this book just it just changed my life. It's so much so that I wrote to the author of the book. I never heard back, but I did write to the author and thanked her for writing this book on behalf of her daughter and telling her if nothing else mattered, my life was changed by her daughter's story. I wanted, I hope that letter got to her. Um, I hope it did because I just wanted to encourage her to know that she made a difference. Are we making such an impact on somebody younger than us? When I was talking to this young woman that I was telling you about, we were talking about there's always somebody older than you. Unless you're a thousand years old, there's somebody older than you that you can get wisdom from and understanding and knowledge and encouragement and insight. You know, insight to me is so important. And there's always someone younger than you. You might be 20, but there's somebody younger than you. I was 14. There's somebody younger than me. 
You know, at 14, I could have been witnessing to that five-year-old who got saved. At 21, I could be witnessing or investing in that 14-year-old's life that somebody took the time to make a difference. One of the things I enjoyed doing when I was homeschooling my kids is I would read books on Billy Graham and Billy Sunday and some of these well-known speakers throughout the, you know, the history of the church. Who witnessed to them? Where do these people learn about the Lord? Who took the time to talk to these individuals to tell them about the Lord? I always think to myself, you know, you, I don't know, do you get tired and you think, oh, why bother? What, what difference is it going to make? You know, my dad always said, the worse it gets, the closer we get. And you look around and you think, the world's falling apart. You know, everything's a mess. Why bother? The Lord's coming home soon. I'm a strict believer that the Lord says to look for these things. He does not say dwell on these things. He does not say sit on your little tush, if I may say that, and do nothing because I'm coming home. He did not say that. When you see these things, know my coming is close. That's all he said when you see these things. It's just like I talked about in a few podcasts ago. If you knew company was coming, I got one hour. I got to get the house cleaned. Get the, that laundry put away. Get those dishes washed. Scrub that floor. Put the you know music on. Set the table. Light the candle. Make the house look presentable because company's coming. You get that anxiousness, that you know restlessness, that excitement because they're coming. Well, it should be the same thing. The Lord is coming. Absolutely, we should have an excitement. But I should always also be saying, wait a minute, is my job done? No. The Lord has not called me home yet. That, that means now, for me, my job is not done. I have a life to invest in. I don't know how many times, and some of these things I've repeated to you over and over because I'm passionate about it, that we look at Esther, one woman changed a nation. The story has been told over and over for such a time as this, but they meet the depth to that phrase for such a time as this. Yes, that one woman did save a nation. And her life and her story has been repeated over and over and over again. Why? Because there's so much to learn from it. Anyone that's my age, around my age. Now, I wasn't, I was a kid, I'm guessing. I don't even know. I don't even know when prayer was taken out of school. 50s, 60s maybe? I might not have even been born yet. I'm not sure. Long enough, some of you know Madeline Mariel Hare. And I've said it over and over and over. It took one woman to take prayer out of school. One woman. She didn't have a herd of people. She didn't have social media. She didn't have email. She didn't have Facebook. She wasn't on YouTube. None of that was around. She just had a big mouth and she had a stubborn streak, and she had a hatred for the Lord. Okay, let's turn that around. Can one woman or one person, one man, put prayer back in school? Do you have a big mouth? Do you have some zeal? Are you anticipating the Lord's return with excitement, knowing that everybody needs to hear the gospel? Can we get prayer back in school? Could we do that? Why can't we? 
Not only do we have a big mouth and we have excitement and the joy and the passion, we have the power in our little pinky, if you want to say, of the cross. The same power that rose the Lord from the dead and and put the Lord on the cross, that same power is inside of me. I have a Holy Spirit living inside of me. What can't I do? I can do all things through Christ. I know I'm shooting out a lot of scripture without reference. Please feel free to go back and check on those references. You know, we have social media. I've talked about this. Can you not use your Facebook for a positive influence? Stop getting on there and putting down political candidates. What purpose and what good does that do? It only antagonizes everybody else, jumps on the bandwagon, and they all, yeah, let's... Why are we bashing people on Facebook? Why not put a Bible verse on there? Why not put a word of encouragement on there? Why not put a note of encouragement to someone else on there? Why not use your social media, your Twitter, your Facebook, your YouTube? I don't know, what else is out there? You all know probably more than me. For the right purposes. Why are we not using our mouths to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why are we not using our mouths to encourage another brother and sister in Christ? I don't know how many times I've encouraged somebody innocently. You know, I just... I said somebody to the other to them the other day. We were talking and and somebody mentioned the word grace and I looked at the woman next to me and I said, "You know what? That word describes you." I said, "I've watched you talk to people. You have grace. I've watched you have to stand up for yourself in a stern and bold way. We're not doormats as Christians." And I've watched her stand firm with a stern voice but with grace. And I just said to her, I just wanted to tell you that. I have learned more and more to speak what's on my mind with respect and then the right format and the right, you know, not, oh, here, I had this thought. Let me just blurt it out. I'm talking about speaking things that the Lord would want me to share. And encouragement, the Lord tells us to edify and to build each other up. We need to be building up this younger generation. They trip, they fall, they hurt themselves, and are we standing there going, I told you so. You should never have done that. I told you how to do it. Does that make you want to get up and do it any better? It would make me look at that adult who's older than me and say that they're, you know, fill in the blank. I want nothing to do with them. I don't even want to listen to the next thing they say. And, you know, you made fun of them or you laughed at them or you... Told, you, told them, I told you so. And then three Sundays from now, you're asking them to be involved in ministry. Or you're telling them they should be so, doing something in ministry. Why are they going to listen to you? Think about it. Would you want to listen to someone else that has put you down or not encouraged you or not invested in you or has not spent the time with you? I have a special needs son. One of the biggest things I've learned from him since he was a little guy he knew who was real. We could walk in a room and I could watch him go to certain people. People that I might be a little surprised at that he would go to. He knew who was real, who really liked him, who cared for him. He also knew who wasn't real. And you'd have people that I would think, oh, 
<coughs> they have such a heart for my son. Oh, they love my son. Oh, this and oh, that. And I would watch him just have nothing to do with him. And at first, it kind of caught me like, why is he not? What's going on? Time, you know, time will tell. And time did tell. And I come to realize that my son has this ability, I think it's partly because of his special needs, to know who's real and who's not real. Are you real? You know, are you the real deal? Can a young person look at you and say, you know, Lynn Wilson is on social media. I'm on YouTube. I'm on this platform. I'm also on another platform. Lynn Wilson speaks. I speak at different functions and different events. I work in a very public setting. My name is known. I don't mean famous, but you know, in, a, in the circle that I'm in, you mentioned my name, people know, and they know what I'm affiliated with. My name is not a church. I'm in leadership at church. When you come to my home, are you going to meet the same person that you meet in the office? Are you going to meet the same person that sits in the pew on Sunday? Are you going to meet the same person that is a mother to her children? Are you going to meet the same person that when I'm on a different platform speaking for a woman's event or sharing on this podcast or another platform on YouTube? Is it the same person that you're listening to? I certainly hope so. I tell people, my, I'm simple. I got to keep my life simple. I can't pretend to be something I'm not because I won't remember what I'm supposed to be where. This is what you see is what you get. I might be a little bit more bold in certain settings because it's a little bit more comfortable for me or something like that. But my inner, the core of Lynn Wilson, better be the same no matter where I go. I am one person who has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of her, who has a purpose in this life. And the purpose is this. I know what my purpose is. I don't know all because that evolves and it changes as the Lord sees fit. But one of the biggest things I know my purpose is, is encouragement. I know the Lord has told me that, and I've tried to, you know, I've had to practice. Do you know you have to practice your spiritual gifts? They don't just happen perfectly, because you're a human being. The more you do anything, the more progress you make. And I remember the first time trying to encourage somebody, and, I, you know, the words came out backwards and inside out and upside down, and, ah. But the more I do it, now I just naturally look at someone and say, you know, you're really great at that. Use adjectives. Watch somebody's face go, oh, well, thank you. You know, you don't know when you've just encouraged a young person that in an hour from now, in 10 minutes from now, in 10 years from now, God is going to give them a, a job to do. And those encouraging words that you gave them were part of that foundation. And they're going to look back and say, wow, I remember when Lynn Wilson told me my name, my person, my personality, who I am, reminded her of grace. That woman, that young woman that I told, when she, she's married, when she becomes a mother, she'll remember those words. Oh. Lynn said, I reminded her of grace. When she takes on the next thing, task that the Lord has for her, she'll be reminded that someone said that she was reminded of grace. The same holds for when somebody tells you a very negative, harsh comment about you. You know, you're blah, 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 blah. 
those words will haunt you the rest of your life. As a parent, you know yourself as a child, you're everyone's a child of somebody who your guardian, your grandparents, your parents, your aunt, whoever took care of you, those negative comments that were said to you, do they haunt you? Yeah. There were things that were said to me, they haunt me to this day. And I, ooh, know better than that. But you know what? Someone knows right where to nip at those heels and how to discourage you. And when you want to do something, you know, I have a learning disability. I am dyslexic. I struggle with that. I have a learning disability of reading comprehension. I struggle with understanding and, and grasping the Word of God. I have to keep it simple. I've had to learn how to work with that. But you know what? I have to remember God knows every hair on my head. He created me. He, you know, he knitted me in my mother's womb before I was even born. In spite of all that, even speaking sometimes, I stutter, I stammer, I trip over my own words. Should I stop speaking? Should I stop doing because I'm imperfect? No. I need to keep going and know that this is where Lynn ends right here. See this line? The Holy Spirit ends. You, you can't even see it, right? He's somewhere up here. This is where Lynn ends. But as long as she's in the will of God and she's doing the purpose that God has called for her, this is the Holy Spirit working to the point where we can't even see it. It goes beyond our understanding. It goes beyond what we can comprehend. But I've done my part in spite of. And I want to encourage you two things today. Three things. Let's say three things. Number one, if you're 60 or in around that, I want you to soar. And if you don't know what I mean, go back and listen to that podcast. Number two, you're older than somebody. Invest in a young person's life. The future of our country, the future of the world, depends on you and me as an individual serving and doing what the Lord has called us to do and investing in a life is one of those things. The third thing is I'm going to leave you with Matthew 20, 28. This verse keeps coming to mind over and over and over. For the Son of Man did not come to serve, or did not come to be served, but to serve others. <clears throat> we can look at other people and we can say, oh, they're a great example. Or I could look at somebody in leadership and say, they're terrible. They're human beings. Our only example that is perfection is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I get it. We look to a pastor or a leader in the church or a leader, you know, in, in a ministry, let's say, or something like that. They are not a perfect person. They're going to fall and they're going to disappoint you. Or your expectations for them are so high that they're never going to meet your expectations. They're never going to meet your expectations. Between what they do and the Lord, that's between them and the Lord, but my expectations sometimes are very high for people and then they fail me and they disappoint me and I'm crushed and, you know, I got to get over my expectations. But when you look at what the Lord did, he lived on this earth for 30 some years. He didn't have a bed. He didn't have a home. He wasn't on social media. He didn't have the, the latest and greatest in the car. He didn't travel in, you know, luxury cruise lines. He didn't do any of that. He went where the people needed him. He went to places that nobody else went to. 
He knew that his words needed to be shared. He went to places nobody else wanted to go. He invested in 12 men's lives. And if you look at these men, they were not the perfect men at all. But God still took the time to invest in them. And when he left, he said, you need to go to all four corners of the world and spread the gospel. God was our example. The Lord Jesus Christ was our example. He invested in people. He went where no one else went to. And he went to his heavenly father when he needed to pray, when he needed refreshment, and so on. Just take some of these thoughts and ponder them. You know, we're in the holiday season. We're in the Christmas season. We're ending a year, beginning a year. What a great time. The Lord's birthday to rededicate your life. What a present that would be to the Lord to say, hey, for your birthday, I'm going to start fresh. I want to start anew. What a way to end the year. I'm going to start over. What a, way to be, what a great way to begin the new year. I'm going to start fresh. It's the perfect opportunity for you to make a change in your life, to make an impact on this world and on an individual for eternity. Listen, let's go out, live life, let's enjoy life, but let's make sure that the Lord is at the forefront of what we're doing so we can enjoy and live the purpose He has called us to do. Thanks so much for coming over for Hope for Today. I hope that this gives you hope to know that there is hope for today, for tomorrow, and for the future. The Lord has not come back yet. He is coming, but until then, you and I have a job to do. Thanks so much for coming over today. We will catch you next week, same time, same place on this podcast.